if you have any, and I hope that you uh, will take advantage of that. There is significant blessing and spiritual benefit in studying the Word of God. Reading the Word of God is good and appropriate and right. Studying the Word of God is also an important step. What's the Bible say? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You learn what the Bible is saying to you by studying the word. And these ladies are digging into the scripture and studying it. And I hope that you will, you will join them if you're not already part of the group. And then I want to give a praise report. We'll have prayer requests at the end of the hour. And I don't want to forget this. I want to tell you. Uh, since COVID, we have not been able to have access to the all-night venues for our big youth rally. And the youth rally became known as the big one. Because when you put 600 teenagers in the gym, that's the big one, right? <laughs> among, our, among our churches, that's the biggest youth rally around. So it's the big one. Well, of course, COVID knocked so many things in the head. And then even after the distancing and, and all that had settled down, the staffing issues that are the fallout from COVID continued and just uh, organizations just got out of the habit of that and didn't really rush to, to make it available. And so though we have tried in the last couple of years to have the all-night events, and we couldn't have them, and that's the draw for the big event, that's the draw for the big one. I think I told you that Brother Curtis nicknamed the rally without the all-night events as the fun size. Not the big one, the fun size. Like the little fun size candy bar. Well, I want to tell you the Lord has given us favor with the YMCA and with the South Charleston Memorial Ice Arena. And uh, we, we are locked in with them for March the 8th. So much so that the directors and all the different that I've been talking to for quite some time and trying to nail it down. Ultimately, it's come to, well, we need to help you all do this each year. I mean, I was pushing for, can we do it this year? Then we'll come back and beg you again for next year. But ultimately, the way it landed, the two, the two that we had the trouble getting, the Ice Arena and the Charleston Family YMCA, the new leadership there said, uh, we need to be part of this to, to with you, partner with you, make us available to the community young people in ongoing years as well. So I'm just, I've been so excited about that and praising the Lord about it because the Lord did it. And uh, again, gave us just an open opportunity uh, they, uh, that they get extended to us a great welcome, a great welcome. And so we're excited about that. Friday, March the 8th is the youth ride. Now we were going to have the rally regardless where the poly will come, we'll have a great time. But the all-night events just push this over the top. And we began blitzing, phone blitzing churches today to make sure they knew that, yes, we have the, the rally, but also we have the all-night events. It is The big one is back, and glory to God for that. Also, by way of announcement, let me remind you that a week from tonight, a week from tonight, we begin a four-week special Bible study, Bible series, an instructional series. And our instructor, by way of video, will be our good friend, Brother Pauly, Scott Pauly. And four sessions about enhancing 
your Bible study, prayer life, your devotional life, your personal devotional life, taking it to a new level. And I just 100% guarantee if you come to these and pay, just pay a little bit of attention, you're going to be thankful that you've done this because you're going to learn some things. You're going to experience some things that will enhance, magnify, intensify your devotional life, your prayer time, your Bible study time. And um, it's just, as I said before, it's some of the best teaching I've ever heard on this subject. Let me take that back. It's the best teaching I've ever heard on this subject. I mean, it's just phenomenally put together. And Scott is such a good communicator, easy to listen to because he's a West Virginia guy. That's why, of course. And uh, so that will start on next week. And it fits right into our emphasis for the month of February, which is stewardship. And so our stewardship of the Bible, what a precious treasure and resource we have. And uh, the fact that many of us don't nearly get out of it and let it get into us to the level that it could is poor stewardship. And so let's be good stewards of the priceless treasure of the word of God. And uh, now you're here and you'll probably be here. And I appreciate the Wednesday night crowd so much. Uh, mention it to somebody else. Maybe it's not here on Wednesday nights. Encourage them to uh, be with you and be part of our stewardship of the Bible. Tonight we begin in James chapter 4. And I want to try to give from the Word of God with many other scriptures, of course, some practical thoughts and some practical instruction about defeating, defeating Satan. Defeating Satan. The, some people never get have a good victory over Satan for, for one simple reason. They they don't acknowledge they're in a fight. You know, surefire way to get a surefire way to get whipped is to not know somebody's fighting you. And Satan is after us. He's fighting against us. And uh, let's begin reading in James chapter four, verse seven. You familiar with the scripture here, likely could quote it if we get you started. Look, look at it as I read, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You put the devil on the run, you've gotten the victory in the, in the fight, gotten victory in the battle. And the premise begins that we yield ourselves, submit ourselves to God. That's the start because we're, you or nor I are ever going to defeat Satan because we are spiritually rough and tough and eat our marshmallows raw. No, we cannot fight and face the devil on our own strength. The arm of flesh will fail us. We dare not trust our own. So it begins, victory over Satan begins with our submission to God and acknowledging that he is the power and he is the energy and he is the wisdom that can defeat Satan in us and through us, but it begins with the Lord. Submit yourselves therefore to God. And then simply to say, resist the devil. Don't yield to him, don't submit. The contrast is, is obvious. Don't submit to Satan, submit to God 
And in your submission to God, you are resisting the devil. Everything God's for, Satan is against. Satan always is contrary to what God wants. What God wants you to stay away from, Satan says, oh, you need a big, you need a big dose of that. Satan is always opposite to God. So our approach must acknowledge that. I'm going to submit to God. And in, the, in doing that, that's the beginning steps of resisting the devil. Because if I'm following God, if I'm following God, if I'm submitted to God, if I'm yielded and surrendered to God, I'm not going to be anywhere near where Satan wants me to be. Resist the devil. And notice the Bible's emphatic that it says, not that he will just stand in defeat. He's going to run. He'll flee from you. Why, why would that be? We'll get, we'll get to amplify this a little bit. But of course, it's because when I'm submitted to God, the power of God is released through me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And Satan cannot put up any kind of fight against God, against the Holy Spirit. So we submit ourselves to the Lord and in by doing that, we put up our resistance to the devil because he's opposite of God. And when we do that in submission to the, to the Lord, then the Holy Ghost power is released through us and Satan gets pushed back, pushed over. He takes a hike. We have an enemy. This enemy is cunning. He's relentless. He is aggressive. He has no pity. Let's not get sucked into this cavalier casual attitude of Satan, maybe subconsciously brought to us through the cartoon world. Satan doesn't live in hell and like fire. No, it's a place of torment for Satan. Hell's a place of torment for Satan and the demons. That's who it was prepared for. It's not a place of his abiding. It's a place of his eternal punishment. It's not where he wants to live. It's where he's going to live under the wrath of a holy God. Satan is aggressive, wicked, evil, brilliant, cunning, and he has no pity. Think about your children, your grandchildren. Satan wants to ruin their lives. And move on without the slightest modicum of embarrassment or shame or remorse. He's wicked. He's wicked. We were talking, uh, I saw Brother Larry, and you saw, likely if you watched the local news this evening or this morning, you heard about a 14-year-old young man that shot and killed a 19-year-old young man over on the north side of Charleston. And the sad, sadly tragic part of an already sadly tragic story is it was a robbery and the 19-year-old the, the who was working in the little store gave up all the cash and whatever the guy wanted. And it was just on the way out the door after he'd accomplished all the robbery on the way out the door, the younger boy shot the 19-year-old on his way out. And you think, man, how? How wicked, how heinous. He got what he came after, got what he wanted. And just for whatever malicious thoughts in his head, went ahead and took the life of the, the other person. 
Now, magnify that by a hundred thousand times. And that's the evil and the wickedness and the, the debauchery and just the, just the ooze of ugliness that Satan is. Destroy a life violently, have no remorse about it, and move on to the next one. Destroy your grandchild's life and move on to the next one. This is Satan. This is our enemy. This is who the Bible says is stalking us. We're told in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be, be vigilant because your adversary, your opponent, your enemy, the one who's attacking you, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, not wound, not inflict pain or harm, devour, utterly destroy. The Bible warns us that we're that the attacks from Satan can come at us in biblical imagery language. They can come at us even from a distance. In the section in Ephesians chapter 6 where the armor of God is, is delineated for us, verse 16, the, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He is sending incoming fire. He is sending lethal force into your spirit. The devil gets many victories in his battles with Christians. And the reason is clear for us in James 4, 7. There's not enough submitting. Therefore, not enough resisting. Resisting the devil, determining to do things God's way out of our submission. Resisting means making deliberate choices about ourselves and our behavior. Resisting means making a plan, committing to the plan, knowing the plan, working the plan. What's the plan? This is the way, so walk ye in it. This is the plan. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The plan is thy word is a light unto my feet, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. But too many believers will walk through life with a, well, I'm just going to strike one out. Just kind of see what happens today. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen today. <laughs> Satan's going to attack what are you going to do to be ready for Satan's attack? Are you going to be deliberate? Are you going to be proactive? Are you going to establish defenses in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind? Make a plan. Commit to the plan. Know the plan. Work the plan. Satan's going to attack. I mean, if you think about this, if you knew that someone was going to try to break into your house, in a few hours at three o'clock in the morning, would you just go home and do what you are going to do otherwise? No, you'd do something. You'd, you'd go to the closet or the place where you keep the, you know, the stuff, <laughs> right? You'd turn a lot of lights on. You'd double check the locks on the windows. You'd make sure the bolt deadbolts are fastened on the door. You make sure if your car doesn't get in the garage that it's locked out in the driveway, you would take steps. You would go into some measures to be prepared for the incoming attack. And then you'd be alert and you'd be vigilant. 
You would be, you would be, 1 Peter 5, 8, you would be sober, you would be vigilant because your adversary, the goober <laughs> that's trying to harm and hurt you, is coming onto your property. And God says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, he's on the proud, he's coming your way. He's coming your way. Satan gains footholds in our lives by by tempting us to make wrong choices, wrong versus right, sin versus obedience, righteousness versus wickedness. And because we have failed to take proactive defense measures, we're far more susceptible to Satan gaining a victory on us and landing some fiery darts on us, hurting our testimony, weakening our faith, our, our obedience. He can't move us out of heaven. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus makes that clear, but he can certainly damage God's will in our life. He can certainly bring harm to the cause of Christ. He can besmirch testimony so that there's just a host of Demas's. Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Satan landed a bunch of fiery darts on Demas and he was not prepared to repel those. All right, let's move through our, our, our steps here. How to defeat Satan. Number one, belong to the right person. This involves the heart. Only a saved person can have victory over Satan. Jesus said to those who did not receive him, follow him, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Man, talk about intolerant language. <laughs> you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, Jesus said. So the lost person has no capacity to resist the devil. They may find some moral unction to try to better themselves, but you know, Satan, this is how brilliant and crafty he is. He'll use that very thought in their head to cause them to reject the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, the gift of the grace of God, because they convince themselves, well, I can, I can resist. I can, I can become a better person. And Satan takes that and twists that around. So that becomes a key obstacle to that person ever receiving Christ. Belong to the right person. First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the wicked, evil influences in the world. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. With the Holy Spirit living our, in our hearts, we can be victorious every time. Every time. Satan can be a defeated foe in advance as we commit ourselves to God's way being the best way and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. It comes out of a relationship, the relationship that we have to Holy God through his son, Jesus Christ. And then it begins and flows through our heart, our passions, our motivations, our desires, recognizing how good the Lord Jesus has been to us and how freely he has bestowed his grace on us. When we belong to the right person involving our heart, then we can, we can, reset what is important to us. We can reset what we are passionate about. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. You see what God is telling us to do in his word? Specifically place what you care about on spiritual things, not earthly things. Satan is all about trying to get you to passionately care about things that are meaningless in eternity. Meaningless in eternity. At the expense of setting our passions on what will last for eternity. The rewards that God the Father will bestow upon us as we obediently serve him. Belong to the right person. First step in defeating Satan. That involves the heart. Number two, think the right thoughts. This involves the mind. The mind. You know that beautiful phrase in Romans 12 too, the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good except one perfect will of God. To renew our mind in the, in the path, the plan that God and Christ have for us, is to be, it can be boiled down to this, think biblically. Think within the framework, within the purview of the word of God. Well, what's another way to say that? Having the mind of Christ. See, this is, this is the written word and it parallels with the living word. This is how God thinks. This is how Jesus thinks. This is the mind of Christ put into words and language. And so we can renew our mind. We can think differently. If I use the word, it'll have a negative connotation with you because we only reference the word in human relationships. But I want you, as you hear the word, I want you to elevate it to divine relationship and from a divine source. And the term is this, indoctrinate indoctrinate and well oh, oh. that's what that's what some people always use oh you're trying to just indoctrinate trying to brainwash uh, well from a human standpoint yeah you want to be cautious about that and that's a technique that some of our uh, national enemies would use and all that we understand that but now when it's indoctrination from holy God who is truth and this is absolute truth. Yeah, we need to be indoctrinated in this. We need our brain washed by this. Scrubbed, if you will, by this, the word of God. Think the right thoughts. This involves the mind. I believe the first person, I don't think it was original with him, but I believe the first person I heard say this was our, our dear friend, Dr. David Wood. And uh, the quote he gave I heard him say it several times. I am what I think. And what I think is what I am. Let that stew around there just a little bit. Let, let, let it percolate just a little bit. You know, the essence of you comes out of your mind. Your experiences, your evaluations. Uh, what, what you have learned by experience, what you have learned by deliberate study. It's all piled up there in the brain. I am 
what I think. And what I think is what I am. And the Bible says that we need to be renewing our mind. Our mind needs cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. And then the unction of that is given to us in the familiar passage from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Deliberately put your mind in a place where righteousness and godliness and morality and obedience to God are at the forefront of what's happening in your mind. And faith is not just of the heart. It, it's also of the mind. First John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. So our, our faith is girded by the reality of what we know. That's a beautiful study in the Bible. What the Bible says we know. And our faith is held up by what we know. And we know it because by faith we believe the Bible. Here's an example, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. We know that. And so that knowledge, that mental ascent, girds our faith. Because we do not have blind faith. No, we have evidenced faith, evidenced by the life of the Lord Jesus, evidenced by the preserved word of God, evidenced by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Moving along. Number three. See the right sights. This involves the eyes. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes our eyes, our spiritual eyes, our eyes of faith fixated on him because there's no disappointment in Jesus. You likely have people, human beings, who have helped you spiritually. No man's an island. You've had people that have helped you spiritually. But you've not had anyone around you and from a human standpoint who has helped you perfectly spiritually. Because we're all humans and we all have failings and we've all made goofs. We've decided to do the wrong things. But the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So if I look over here to the finest of human being, sooner or later, they're going to give me a bad example. They're going to do something that will discourage and disappoint me. But if I look to Jesus, <laughs> he's never going to do anything wrong. He's never going to bring disappointment to you from what he brings to you. 
His love is, the Bible says, perfect. Perfect. See the right sights. This involves the eyes. And not only, firstly, we see Jesus, but then we know defeating Satan, we can look around at others. Philippians 2, 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. To be aware and alert to seeing what's around you, where you can be a help, where the where the influence of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit can work through you to help someone else. Again, we're never, going to, we're never to be self-centered. We're to be Christ-centered, Christ-focused. And Christ wants to minister to others through us. So we look at self-last. We begin, when we begin with ourselves, that is always out of pride and selfishness. And we've given Satan an advantage because his go-to platform to get us to disobey is pride. Pride. It's like an umbrella over almost every other sin and type of sin. And be careful. I'm, I'm, I'm moving through here pretty quick. I won't call attention to all the scripture verses. Be careful about the things we look at. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes, Psalm 101, verse 3. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So the Bible is giving us some practical steps here. Belong to the right person. Think the right thoughts. See the right sights. Number four, hear the right sounds. This involves the ears. The ears. Psalm 85 verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not return, let them not turn again to follow. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you listening for the Lord to speak? Not on the audio, audio nerve in your, in your head, but in this spiritual application, this spiritual analogy. God speaks to us. He speaks to us from the pages of his word. And then he speaks to us as the word and the Holy Spirit in us mesh together and he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And he directs our thoughts. He helps us to have understanding. That's hearing the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what God is saying. In... in uh, in Psalm 89, verse 15, a phrase is picked up in, in the famous hymn that we sing often. Jesus says, we have heard the what? He comes right out of scripture. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. So what is the joyful sound? I heard, I heard a great Bible uh, preacher and theologian Amplify on that. You couldn't draw the hard conclusion, but he had a pretty he had a pretty compelling case that this was the way the Jews would refer to the sound of the high priest walking in the holy of holies once a year with the atoning blood, and on the bottom of his garment he had little bells. All right, purpose of the little bells. Well, that lets you know he's still alive. He didn't do something out of place. Because if he did something out of place, 
like Uzzah, reach over and touch the ark. You know, what happened to Uzzah? Gone, dead. And you've heard this teaching. He had a rope tied around him so that if he did kill over dead, some, nobody would go in there because only the high priest could go in there. Well, the high priest has just committed some kind of faux pas and now he's dead. So they got the rope, they pull him out. There's no recording of scripture that ever happened, but they were prepared for that. But so the bells are there and then you hear the jingling of the bells and the high priest is doing his high priestly work. The high priest is applying the blood to the mercy seat and atonement is being made for the sinners in the nation of Israel. And the joyful sound, the joyful sound is the sound of the bells and the high priest doing his work, atonement being provided for the nation of Israel. Hear the right sounds. Tuned in to God's work in your life, in my life, what God is doing around us. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. So what is the joyful sound? Is it the sound of the priest's bells? Is it the sound of a, of a victorious army returning from battle? Is it the sound of the massive choirs of celebration that we see in some of the Old Testament uh, vignettes of, of dedicating the temple, resetting the walls, those sort of things? Whatever it is, here's what we know it's not. It's no kind of carnal fleshly sound. But it's a sound that exalts Jehovah God. A sound of righteousness, the sound of truth, the sound of God's glory. We, don't, we won't turn there tonight. I encourage you to go look at what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the passage we come to it every once in a while where, the, where God's telling the nation of Israel, you know, learn these statutes, learn, these, learn the commandments, learn the law, talk about it in your house, talk about it in the way, post it on the doorposts of your house and all that. But it says two or three times there, hear therefore, O Israel, to observe to do it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, hear, hear. Listen, listen to what God has to say. Number five, say the right words. This involves the voice. We're resisting the devil. And so we're going down a little checklist here of what we need to be doing to be pushing the devil back in our submission to the Lord that becomes then resistance automatically to Satan. And we come down to our voice, the tongue. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Listen to the challenge in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Does that sound like a good plan? Love life, see good days. All right. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips and that they speak no guile. You know, the Lord teaches us that we are to be guarding of our speech, guarding of our tongue, guarding of what we say. In that passage that you're somewhat familiar with, I'm sure, Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. And you got the six things are abomination to God. Seven, uh, uh, th uh, seven are uh, uh, abomination. And he hates six things. Seven are abomination. Well, of the seven, of the seven, three of them are about something you say. Lying tongue, someone speaketh lies, someone that soweth discord. God's listening to what we're saying. 
And so to resist the devil is to submit to God. To resist the devil is to say the right things, to submit my speech, my voice to the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, we're told to put off the things of the world, the things of the old nature, the things of the old man. And in, these, in this list of things that are not to be the adornments of the Christian life, we're to put off these things. That's the wording in, in Colossians 3. A lot of the things we're to put off are from the category of verbal things. It says put off these anger, wrath, malice, then it's blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. The Lord's listening. He's established. He's established. The, uh, the, the bar is set high that we are to guard our speech. Say the right words as we resist the devil. Number six, do the right things. This involves the hands. Do the right things. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. To do his will. The Bible tells us in James to be the doers of the word and not the hearers only. Also in James, James 2, 26. For as the body is... As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We don't work to get to heaven, but we work to please him who is taking us to heaven. Do the right things. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus said, they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. Lastly, number seven, go to the right places. This involves the feet. Go to the right places as we move about, as we affect and adjust our circumstances and who we're interacting with and where we are finding ourselves in a culture that is all the more anti-God with each passing day. Proverbs 4.26, listen to the word of God. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Be established. In other words, don't meander. Don't just wander around aimlessly. No. Set your affection on things above. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Following in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God says have a plan. Be determined to the plan. And the plan is submission to God and doing things his way. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you think you're attending church too much, can I tell you this? You're flat dab wrong. You're not attending church too much. Nobody in America today is attending church too much. We need more church in America, not less church in America. And so don't be, don't be looking to us to be finding every little reason to cancel Sunday night service. Now, if it's dangerous, I understand that. And we had snow things and we had COVID things. But we're just not looking to cancel church at the drop of a hat and then reach for a hat. We're going to have church. And we're going to have missions conference. We're going to have revivals. And we're going to have men's conference and women's conference. And we're going to have youth camps. And on and on it goes. Because the preaching of the word of God is paramount. And the nourishment that believers need from the preaching and teaching of the word of God is critical. Go to the right places. 
We go in and then we go out. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to the right places. This involves the feet. All right, fill it in there at the end. To actually defeat Satan, you must have deliberate choices. Should probably better to be saved. Make deliberate choices about your actions and attitudes. You have to have a plan, a strategy, a response to his attack, Satan's attack, because it's coming. No, it's coming. To be warned and be prepared. Belong to the right person, that's the heart. Think the right thoughts, the mind. See the right sights, the eyes. Hear the right sounds, the ears. Say the right words, the voice. Do the right things, the hands. Go to the right places, the feet. Let's go back to our, let's go back to our beginning scripture, may we? Our beginning scripture, James chapter 4, verse 7. I'd like you to say it with me, very short. Quickly turn there so we'll be done. All right, James chapter 4, verse 7. Let's say it together. Ready, begin. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ladies only, just the ladies. All right, ready, begin. Submit. Gentlemen, would you say it together, please? Begin. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is the word of God accurate? Are God's promises going to come to pass? So if we will submit, if we will submit to God, if we will resist the devil out and from the outflow of that submission, what's Satan going to do? Flee. You're not going to defeat him, but you can put some distance between you and him. And as you cling to the Lord, he's the one that's got to move. Let's make that true in our lives. Father, help us to recognize that we have a line on our trail. And that there is an adversary who is crafty. An adversary who is committed. An adversary who is motivated by the most heated hatred in all the universe. Lord, our enemy hates you, and he extends that hate even to us so that he may harm you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take your own instruction, that we would submit to you and thereby resist the devil and claim your promise that the, the adversary, the wicked one, the devil, Satan, will flee from us. So help us, Lord, to live victoriously in our obedience, our yieldedness, our submission to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.